how did you come to be known as the midlife troublemaker? What does that mean? So a little bit about me. Um, So a midlife troublemaker is typically a woman who decides in the middle of her life to disrupt the status quo, right? Things are not feeling the way they should or the way I'd like them to. And so I reached a point in my life where I knew something had to change and it was probably me. Welcome to Boss Body, the podcast where successful women learn how to lose weight and get healthy in a way they can live forever. If you're successful in so many areas of your life, but can't seem to give yourself the same care and compassion you show everyone else, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Sarah Haas, women's weight loss and body love coach, and I'm here to help you create the light, joyful, energetic life you deserve. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. You're listening to the Boss Body Podcast, and I am Sarah Haas, and I'm happy that you're here with me. And I have a special guest today, Elaine Blaze, who I recently met, and I just love what she's all about and what she is here to talk to us about today. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. Elaine is a life coach and her, the, the title that she goes by right now is the midlife troublemaker. (laughs) So I love that. That's so fun. Welcome Elaine. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Sarah. I'm really excited to be here today and talk about being a midlife troublemaker. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell me about that. Tell me about what you do and how did you come to be known as the midlife troublemaker? What does that mean? So a little bit about me. Um, So a midlife troublemaker is um, typically a woman who decides in the middle of her life to disrupt the status quo right? Things are not feeling the way they should or the way I'd like them to. And so I reached a point in my life where I knew something had to change and it was probably me. Um, and over time, the status quo, you mean just how you've been in the past? So for me at that point, status quo was um, having sort of collected all the things. I was living the life, right? Married, family, career, all of the things. And I still, there was something missing. There was something missing for me. And that something missing really was me. I had learned to be a people pleaser. I had lived that way most of my life. And I realized that I wasn't very happy with myself. I think so many of us can relate to the people pleasing aspect we, yep, it's I normal to be liked. It's normal to want to be loved. And then what's so great about, you know, turning 40, turning 50 and beyond is you start realizing like, oh, wait, this is my one life. Do I really want to live it for other people or do I want to live it for me? And, you know, I came to the realization that, you know, my life is going to be what I make it. 
And mm-hmm. <laughs> do I want it to be what other people see that it, they think it should be and what they're projecting onto me? And that wasn't what I saw for my future. And now when you turn 40, when you turn 50, you start really thinking about that. Like, oh, wait, you know, time is limited. And if I'm going to do something, it's time to do it now. Yeah, I think I think so many of us, women especially, we are trained up to be pleasers, <clears throat> to be nice, to, you know, smile and be compliant and all of that stuff, which isn't necessarily bad in and of itself. But we tend to put our own needs aside and we tend to put our own dreams aside because we've learned to be responsible for everyone else. And truly, I'm only responsible for me. I mean, unless I have little children that need my care, I'm only responsible for me. And so it really was that wake up call. What do I want the rest of my life to look like, or at least this next portion of my life to look like? Because I think it's a continual evolution. We're always growing and expanding and changing. And so I had to get serious with myself about what that was, get honest with myself about where I wasn't meeting my own needs. And you ended up making some big changes, correct? You spent most of your life working in a corporate career, being married. Tell me about that. Yeah, all of those things. The first change was really going back to school, to college in my 50s, being absolutely in love with learning. And that really started to open things up for me, you know, believing that I could do more for myself, which eventually led to the end of my marriage, which was a really hard place to be after 35 years of being we, all of a sudden it's just me. And um, and it was also probably the biggest gift of my life at that point in time, because it really freed me to start to get clear about what I want now and what I want next. And And that eventually led me to leaving a corporate job that I'd had for about 25 years, a career, the number of jobs, and taking that leap of faith, trusting myself again, taking a chance on me, and just walking away from what no longer worked for me and starting my coaching business. And those changes can be really scary. I have shared in the past, uh, I got divorced after 17 years of marriage and it is such an unknown to suddenly be this whole new person and to be, you know, doing things on your own. And like you said, it was we, and now it's me and changing careers is also another huge, huge leap of faith. So what What gave you the courage to do that? That's a great question. Um, I think it was little steps along the way that sort of added up to that moment of thinking, okay, well, if I can do this, I can do that. You know, the more I trusted myself, the more I really learned to connect with my body, with my feelings and understanding what was going on within me and really letting my feelings guide me, not control me, but serve as a guide for me. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in the in the discontent piece, right? Everything that we feel matters. And so much of that is trained out of us when we're younger, that I think that's all part of the coming into your own um, in midlife, it's really 
learning to understand the intelligence and wisdom within your body and within yourself that's always been there. Yeah. And for me, it was kind of like, and we're going to talk more about this in a minute, your discontent, which you just mentioned. And you have to think about, okay, which is harder remaining in this place where you're not happy, where you're not authentic, where you're not living your best life or making the change. <laughs> yeah. and both and of them are uncomfortable. Right? Both are uncomfortable, but uncomfortable. which is worse? You have to choose your discomfort. Which would you rather? And I think I just really got to a place where I knew I needed to be with the discomfort. And I'd taken enough risk, enough leaps in my life to know that I would be okay no matter what. And so it was time to leave that job. Yeah. And that's the good thing about midlife is you have this long history of successes and you know how strong you are. You know, you know what you're capable of. And if you take the time to really think back at all the big things you've done in your life and how hard they were and how you did it, it really yeah. gives you the courage to say, okay, I, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. Yeah. So absolutely. tell me a little bit more about this discontent, because that's our, really our topic for today that you're going to share with us. Yeah. So one of the things that I've really incorporated into my own life and practice, and I use this in clients uh, with my clients and in classes, um, and actually it's part of um, it's a section in a book I wrote a few years ago called Three Secrets to a Kick-Ass Life. It's about empowering women and to live into their dreams. And it's the idea that everything in life is happening for me and through me. So we think things happen to us, you know, ex external circumstances somehow control our life. And that's not really true. We create our lives through our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, we are, we are life living itself through us. So we're never victim. And so I love to take women through this process of loving your discontent, because often, we don't know what we want for ourselves, because we've been so focused on other people, that we need to start with what we don't want to get to what we do want. Yeah, because I feel like that's sort of a check engine light. Like, okay, yeah. where you're yeah. discontented is what you need to really dive into and investigate and see, because that is your body, your mind, your soul saying, this is, this is where you need to take a different direction. Exactly. So, so that's what loving your discontent is about, is actually being with the discomfort of the discontent and finding the intelligence in it. Um, in her book, Untamed. Glennon Doyle calls discontent, what does she call it? The nagging of your imagination, right? And so it, it, oftentimes what we want to do is we want to get rid of those feelings. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to feel it. I want to dismiss it. I want to fix it. I want it to go away. And when we do that, we um, dismiss the intelligence and the wisdom within the feelings themselves. I was thinking about that this morning in um, in relation to the type of work that you do with 
midlife women and, and being at what they might consider a, a healthy weight and a healthy lifestyle. And so often when clients come to me, they'll say things to me like, well, I've tried everything and nothing works. And this is just the way it is. It's my family history. You know, there's all of this string of story and belief. And that is a way of sort of avoiding the discontent because we make excuses for it in a sense. But what if you just change the story? So when someone says to me, I've tried everything, I would ask them if they've tried changing that story because that belief is what's keeping that person in the discontent instead of in the world of possibility. What else is possible for you? Absolutely. And what you were saying before about how we just want to ignore, we want to avoid because discontent is uncomfortable. We don't like uncomfortable feelings. You know, we try to do things to get away from that. And with a lot of my clients, it's food, but people use all kinds of different, <laughs> you know, watching too much TV, working too much, drinking too much. You know, there can be so many number of different ways of numbing out and avoiding. And I think we're all guilty of doing that for periods in our lives. And so I like that you're sort of busting that open now. You're like, okay, it's okay to feel this uncomfortable feeling because when you lean into it, big changes start to happen. Yeah, I think it's more than okay. I think, I think the one thing I think it's powerful. I think that's where our power lies when we're no longer dismissing, avoiding, and trying to, to get away from the things that make us uncomfortable. Because when we can own those feelings and be with them, nothing can influence us. We truly own our power and own ourselves. Yeah, and discontent can look a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Don't you think it could be sadness, it could be grief, it could be anger. It doesn't have to be, okay, I'm not happy with X, Y, or Z. No, it can be, it can be, you know, a, a relationship that feels uncomfortable that you'd like to be different. It could just be disappointment. Um, it could be anything, really. Any place in your life where you feel like you lack satisfaction is a place in your life where you're ripe for change. If you overindulged a bit over the holidays, oh my goodness, have I got the thing for you. Coming up February 6th, I'm kicking off my free five-day break up with sugar challenge. We're gonna slay that sugar dragon and change your relationship with sugar forever. You will not believe what can happen in just five short days. A major decrease in cravings for sugar and unhealthy snacks. Skyrocketing your energy from the time you get up till the time you go to bed. Clearer thinking, higher productivity, better mood, clearer skin, better sleep, and bonus, start releasing weight immediately. It's a total reboot for your taste buds so you can get control over your cravings instead of your cravings controlling you. Join me for this free challenge by signing up at sarahhaaswellness.com 
And I'll also put a link in the show notes below. See you there. Awesome. So when you work with clients and if you could give the listeners, because I like to not just talk about the what I like to talk about the how, you know, because we need these tools and okay. We're saying love your discontent, you know, lean into it, but it's hard. It's really hard. And how do you know where you need to lean in and what discontent is? Can you Give us some guidance and some action steps for that. Yeah, I can. I have a little practice that I use. Um, And what I will often do is ask someone, a client, to imagine for a moment that she's in that experience that feels discontent, whatever that is for her. Um, Could be a conversation with somebody else. It could just be something she thinks about herself. But imagine that you are in that situation and you allow it to kind of play out in your mind like a little movie and notice what you feel. I mean, notice what you feel in your body, notice where you feel it in your body and just be with that and allow it to be. When you, emotions and feelings don't last very long, they're like 90 seconds if we allow them to move through us. But most of us are resisting and holding on so much that it feels bigger than it really is. Yeah, because it grows. It lives inside and it keeps wanting to come up and you keep having to deal with it and you keep having to push it down. And I really like that you said that because emotions are like a wave and they come up and they peak and then they they go back down. They recede. And if we just allow it to flow, it's so much less. (laughs) traumatic. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. So, um, so I'm, and I will ask a client to journal, right? Write down, write down how you feel, write down what you feel. What does it look like? Um, You know, can you give it a name just to really own that and allow it to be something you can see in a sense, almost make it tangible. And then from there, I would ask them to go back to that same situation and this time imagine what they would love to have happen, what they would love to experience and to notice all of the same things. How does that feel? What's happening? How does that feel for you? And usually that feeling is very different, right? It it brings up feelings of lightness and joy where the initial feeling is probably heavy and tight. And the point of that is to understand that you have the wisdom to create that better situation, that ideal situation for yourself. So once you allow yourself to go there and tap into the wisdom and feeling of that, then you're open to inspired action, to new possibilities. So it takes you out of that heaviness and into possibility. Yeah. And I think it's important to point out that just because you want to get from point A to point B, you can envision what you want things to turn out to be, but it doesn't necessarily take one big leap to get to that. It takes little little steps, little actions. 
Actually, at that point, it is what is the tiniest step that you can take right now. And that might simply be to sit back and breathe and do nothing. Very often, I think we think we have to do things and hurry up and get somewhere. And we don't give ourselves time to just be. And that's where the inspiration comes in. Yeah, and that's a hard one because we feel like just being, just breathing is doing nothing. (laughs) When in actuality, that is where things start to happen. Because if you if you push these emotions down and you keep yourself avoiding it through busyness or whatever, you you can't ever get there because you can't envision that next step. You can't feel what direction you need to go in. Yeah, if you're always busy, there's no room for it to come in. There's no room for the ideas. There's no room for the inspiration. And and sometimes boredom is the perfect thing for that. Um, it's just nothingness. Um, we're so conditioned to think we have to be doing things all the time. One of my one of my favorite um, practices for myself is the minute I think I have to make something happen, or that I say to myself, I can make that work, I know I'm out of alignment. <laughs> because we don't really have to make anything work. We just have to follow what feels best to us and take the next action. Yeah, exactly right. And I like what you said about, you know, what is just one tiny action that we can take in that direction? Because we don't always have to envision every single step. Sometimes we don't know how we're going to get there. And and if you, if you look at it like that, it seems like a huge mountain to climb. And how in the world am I going to get there? And then you just get paralysis by overwhelm. When if you envision what you want and then you just ask for guidance, what is that first step I can take in that direction? That's so much more doable and um, less intimidating. I also think that we are very limited in our thinking if we try to figure out the how. And to your point, what you're saying is you can only take action in this moment right now. So having the vision is wonderful. And then how do I become that in this moment? What's the one tiny thing that I can do? Because I can only take action here and now. The past is gone and the future hasn't gotten here yet. (laughs) And we spend a lot of time regretting the past and worrying about the future. And that's just another avoidance behavior. That's another way of keeping us stuck and not moving forward. Exactly. Exactly. So I just want to do a quick recap of what I hear you saying, just so people listening can, you know, take some action. So first of all, is just to be still and listen, listen to your body, listen to your heart. Where are you discontented? Where are you uncomfortable? And when you find that discontent, you imagine what you want instead. You imagine being in that place where you want to be. And then lastly is what one tiny step can you take to go in that direction? Does that sound accurate? Yeah. Yeah, really. It's it's so simple. And yet we know that simple is not always easy. 
Oh yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Thank you. This is great. I, I love this. I, I think we all need it. I know I do. <laughs> I've done this in the past with many circumstances, but we're always learning. We're always growing. We always have room to improve and it's really good to have these reminders. So I really appreciate that. I think it's super helpful. Thanks. So if, if the listeners want to hear more about you, about your work, um, where can they find you? Yeah. Um, if they would like to know more of the practice of loving your discontent and beyond, um, they can grab a copy of my book, Three Secrets to a Kick-Ass Life. It is on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback. And um, you can find out more about me on my website, which is elaineblaze.com. And on social media, I'm mostly on Instagram at Elaine Blaze Coaching. And I want to point out that your last name is spelled B-L-A-I-S, correct? Yes, it is. Thank I you. I have one of those last names that often <laughs> gets misspelled. <laughs> so I know how that is. So I want to make sure people can find you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Elaine. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your insight and your wisdom. Thanks, Sarah. I appreciate being here and the work that you do too in the world. It is so important. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I appreciate you for being here as well. And I hope this makes a tiny improvement in your life, just like everything else, and gives you something to think about. So thank you so much for being here and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for being here. I'm honored that you've chosen to spend your time with me and allowed me to be part of your journey. If you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with anyone you think would benefit. I'll see you soon.